Welcome to Alive Experience, the online teaching ministry of Pastor Pascal Ngui. Pastor Pascal is the senior pastor of Alive Bible Church, a vibrant and growing church with branches across South Africa. Pastor Pascal teaches the Word of God with accuracy and power, always leaving his audience empowered, challenged, and ready for change. As you listen, get ready to be blessed by the Holy Spirit. Now, Let's join the message already in progress. Well, we are continuing with our series this morning. Tell your neighbor, keep the faith. Keep the faith. That's the series. Amen? Amen. Let's go straight into the word this morning. 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 7. The Bible reads as follows. I have fought the good fight. May you fight the good fight. Amen. And by God's grace, I remove you out of every bad fight. Amen. That you are currently busy with. Amen. A fight that God did not appoint. A fight that has got nothing to do with the will of God for your life. Amen. A fight that is designed to deflate you and derail you and misguide you. All such fighting. Do you understand? And we are in them with so much passion. May God open your eyes to identify any bad fight Amen. that has come on you. Amen. Hallelujah. I have finished the race. May you receive a finishing grace this morning. Many start, but very few finish. Jesus himself said, many are called, but there are only few that get chosen at the end. In a marathon, everybody starts. Just a few finish. I decree and declare, you shall be among the few that will finish in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. And he says, I have kept the faith. That is where our whole talk is this month. I have kept the faith. And last week's message, I was teaching you about what it means to keep the faith. If you remember very well. Just a quick recap. We saw a couple of things, but let me read for you 2 Corinthians 13, verse 5. The Bible says, examine yourself to see whether you are in the faith. Examine yourself to see whether you are in the faith. Why? Because you can lose the faith and still think you are in the faith. That's the reason why it's important to have a self-examination as a believer. To not just assume that your heart is still in the right place. To not just assume that because you are showing up from time to time on the stream or in the building, that you are still in, in good terms with God. I do not want to take for granted the fact that for two solid years, we haven't had proper fellowship. It will be wrong for you to think that this pandemic has not had an impact on your spiritual life. It will be a mistake to think you are the same person you were the day you got born again. Examine yourself. Whenever somebody feels they're not okay, they usually go to the, to the doctor's room and the doctor does a series of examinations to determine what could be the problem examine yourself to see whether you are in the faith. Then it says test yourself. Test yourself. Test 
yourself. Hallelujah. And, and last week I gave you five examinations and five tests to take yourself through. Number one, test yourself if you are still in love with Jesus. Or you forsaken your first love. For, I'm not saying that you don't love Jesus. But do you still love him like you used to love him? That's, the, that's, that's what you need to do, an examination. Because each one of us, you see, this is not about the church. This is not about the pastor. This is not about anything. It's about you and Jesus. Because when it's all said and done, it's you and Jesus in the coffin. So please take time to listen carefully to this message. Are you still in your first love with Jesus? Or can you safely say that things have changed? Please have a self-examination. I'm begging you, don't just, don't just listen to this word. Take time to really, you know, do, do your examination, like Paul is saying to us in 1 Corinthians, and then test yourself. Test yourself. Number two, are you still on fire for Jesus? When you check your whole week, what do you do for Jesus? The things you do for yourself, as to compare to the things you do for God, which ones are weighing more? What is motivating you of late? What are your ambitions of late? Are they godly or worldly? This is how you do your examination because the Bible says the heart of man is wicked. Who can know it? Including yourself. You might not know the state of your heart. It is examination that helps you assess your heart and see, you know what? I thought I'm still okay, but based on this current examination, I can see I've been weighing off. Are you still on fire for Jesus? All the things of God have just become very dull in your life. They are the ones that get postponed the most. They are the ones that get overlooked the most. Meanwhile, there was a time in your life where everything about God was first in your heart. You had fights with family, fights with your loved ones because of Jesus. But today, there's no persecution in your life because of Jesus. In fact, people love you now because you're always around. You do what they want. Persecution has been cleared. Number three, are you still paying your tithe? I told you last week, this is not about your money, but Jesus made it clear that wherever your heart is, that is where your treasure will be. Money reveals the inclinations of the heart. Your money reveals where your heart is. The moment you withdraw your finances from the kingdom of God, it means your heart has left the kingdom of God. It's as simple as that. Please, your presence is good, but your presence without your finances is as good as you were not there. Because I remember Pharaoh pro, uh, offered to, to Moses that, okay, you can take the people and go, but leave the goods, leave the flocks, leave the sheep. Moses says, no, we cannot leave the sheep because if we leave the sheep, we'll have to come back. We'll get hungry and we'll have to come back. Your money, do you understand, is a revelation, is, is, is an expression of your strength. 
But when you are strong in the Lord, you will also be financially involved in the things of God. We've been busy with church buildings all over. You will be surprised that you have never given one cent. I'm not talking about building my house. I'm talking about building the house of the God you came to worship. Look at how far your heart is at the moment. You are building your house. You are taking care of your family. And the house of God and the family of God is abandoned to itself. We are coming back this morning. We are coming back this morning. We are coming back this morning. As I preach the word, you are receiving grace to review your steps. You are reviewing your steps. Please don't, you see, do do me a favor this morning. Don't try to explain yourself with the word of God. You understand? Try to adjust yourself with the word of God. Don't explain yourself. Don't say, oh no, I did this because of this. No, 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 no. Just say, you know what? I'm wrong here. Let me change. Let me repent. Hallelujah. I've always told you guys, as long as you have life, there is hope. When you die, there is no more hope. You cannot change anything. As long as you can breathe, you can make adjustments. Make your adjustments today. If you've stopped paying your tax, start paying your tax again. If you've stopped giving in the house of God, start doing it again. It's an important step. It, it shows that your heart is with the things of God. Let me tell you the truth. Then no man lie to you. The Bible is very clear. God says, bring the whole time. It doesn't say give. Bring it. it. It is his. It is his. The Bible says the tithe of all belongs to the Lord. That verse will never change, including in the, the time of pandemic. Number four. Have you become a shepherd? Are you involved in the lives of other people? Or everything is still revolving around you. Are you into soul winning? Okay, when was the last time you won a soul for Jesus? Think about it. When was the last time you led somebody in the sinner's prayer? Huh? Can can you remember when was the last time? Some of you, it's been 10 years ago. You are silently sitting in the church thinking everything is okay. But the Great Commission... Matthew 28, verse 19 and 20, go into all the world, make disciples of all the nations. You have abandoned that verse. You are not interested in such things. You shall receive power after the Holy Ghost comes upon you. You shall be my witnesses in Jerusalem. You don't care about such verses anymore. It's like those verses don't exist. Now, I want to ask you a question this morning. Are you still into the things of God? Think about it. When was the last time you led somebody to Jesus? When was the last time you went to visit a soul that you went out but it was not for your own purpose, it was for the, for the work of God? You made a phone call and it was not for yourself, it was for somebody else. Souls are dying every day and we are watching them powerlessly. I'm showing you the examination. He says, examine yourself. Examine yourself. Number five. Check that you have not backslidden. And I like what Pastor Pumi said one time. We were in the church service and she said something that I found was very beautiful. She said, backsliding is not just about not coming to church anymore. You can still be going to church and yet you've backslidden a long time ago. Hence, I'm showing you the signs.
nothing has become commoner, especially during this lockdown, than backslidden believers. Left and right. Oh, no, I used to go to church, but now I just I stay at home. Oh, no, I, I used to be involved in the things of God, but ah, you know, the pandemic came and the churches were closed down. Especially now that we have a reason to not go. Backsliding is easier. Most churches don't have the luxury of coming online the way we do every Sunday. So backsliding has become very rampant. You shall not backslide in the name of Jesus Christ. May you still be standing when this pandemic is over. You will still be growing in God, speaking in tongues, praying, seeking God, paying your tithe, going to church, winning souls, making disciples, doing the will of God. Nothing will change. If anything changes, you will be doing it at a higher level. Hallelujah. Put your hands together for Jesus. Another one, I want to ask another thing to examine this morning. Are you still loyal? Are you still faithful? Part of finishing the faith, keeping the faith, is remaining loyal till the end. Keeping the faith means I am faithful. I have kept the faith. I have remained faithful till the end. Till the end. Faithful till the end. So the question for you is, are you still faithful? Are you still loyal? Psalm 92, verse 2 to 14, verse 12 to 14, the Bible says, The righteous will flourish like a palm tree. They will grow like a cedar of Lebanon, planted in the house of the Lord, and they will flourish in the cause of our God. They will still bear fruit in old age. They will stay fresh and green. Hallelujah. They will stay fresh and green, they will still be bearing fruit in old age. In other words, they didn't change. They've remained faithful. They are planted. I want to ask you a question. Are you still planted in the house of God? Or shall I ask it simple? Are you still there? Are you still there? Are you where God left you the last time he visited? Are you still there? Hmm? There's a certain group Jude speaks about in the book of Jude chapter 1 verse 19. He says, These be they who separate themselves. Sensual, having not the spirit. These are those that separate themselves. One minute they are there. The next minute they have separated themselves. You cannot find them anymore. They are no more planted. The righteous are planted. I'm sure you've noticed the trees in your yard have always been there. Come rain, come sunshine. They are committed to the position where God planted them. There's been all kinds of wings of late. But the trees in your yard are still planted. There have been sunshine. The trees are still planted. I pray for you that you will be that type of a person. Come what may, come sunshine, come storms, come rain, come wind. By the time it's all said and done, you are still planted. 
you are still fresh. You are still green. You are still bearing much fruit for the kingdom of God. That is my desire for you. And that is the purpose of this series. Keeping the faith means that I don't change with the circumstances. I don't become so affected that I stop bearing fruit. Hallelujah. Let's go quickly. I, I, don't, I, you know, I can spend a lot of time on this one. But I want to talk about something also this morning. Still in line with what I started. Amen. My purpose is simple. You have to keep the faith. I want you to keep the faith. Hallelujah. This is a, a, a series for revival. To revival us. To revive us, to, to cause us to reconnect with our purpose. Hallelujah. May you be reconnected in the name of Jesus. May you be reviving your spirit in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Quickly this morning, seven things that can make a good Christian backslide. Seven things that can make a good Christian, not a bad one, a good one. You see that one that when people look, they say, wow, I would like to be like sister so-and-so. You see that one that when you look at him, you say, wow, I like the way he prays. I like the way she handles herself. Seven things that can make a good Christian like you and me to backslide. Not every Christian that backslide was a bad one. <laughs> there are good ones, fruitful ones, prayerful ones, tithing ones, giving ones. But the next minute you look, they are nowhere to be found. You shall not backslide in the name of Jesus. So let's look at seven specific causes of backsliding for a Christian. Last week I gave you ten spiritual ones. Let me continue with other things. You know, you'll find your way in this as we go. Number one, shallowness. What can make a good Christian to backslide? Shallowness. 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 What does shallowness implies? They are not deep. They are not deep. They are there, but they are not deep. They are impressive. When you look at them, there are certain trees. You look at it, it is very impressive. But after the wind passes by, you find it on the floor. Then you realize that the, the, the roots never went deep. The roots were just, you see, like you can see the whole thing with the roots is usually on the ground. Then you look at the whole structure and say, no, no, no. These roots were not deep enough. Shallowness. Shallowness. Mark 4, verse 16 to 17. These, likewise, are the ones sown on the stony ground who, when they hear the word, immediately 
they receive it with gladness. <laughs> so these guys are excited when pastor is preaching. They receive, they say amen to every prophetic declaration pastor is making. They enjoy the preaching of pastor. And they receive the preaching of pastor with gladness. You know, there are some people, when you are preaching, their faces are always sad. They don't show any excitement. In fact, if you look at them, you will not, you will not preach well. You will not preach well. But there are these guys, they make you want to preach more and more and more and more and more because they excite you, the preacher yourself. You yourself, the preacher, you are excited when you are seeing them. May you be such a person. A person that makes the preacher want to preach more. Not a person that intimidates the preacher with a straight face, a frowny face. Hmm? Ask your neighbor, what type of what type of congregation are you? Are you the type that scares the preacher, the type that intimidates the preacher, or the type that encourages the preacher? These guys are encouraging the preacher. When pastor says, say, "Come on, pastor, preach on, pastor," I mean, I'm flowing with you, pastor. Hallelujah, Hallelujah. But the Bible says they, they immediately receive the word with gladness. But here's the problem. The Bible says, and they have no root in themselves. They have no root in themselves. And so, they endure only for a time. Afterwards, when tribulations and persecution arises for the world's sake, immediately they stumble. They have no root. You see, that word has really touched me. No root in themselves. Their whole Christianity is dependent on external factors. Their whole Christianity is dependent on another person. They themselves cannot stand on their own. These are people, the moment they relocate to another city, Christianity is dead. They had no root in themselves. When challenges come, they cannot stand. They are shallow. They love God, but they are not deep in God. The New Living Translation says it this way, but since they don't have deep roots, they don't last long. They don't have deep roots. Therefore, they don't last long. They don't have deep roots. They don't last long. They don't have deep roots. They don't last long. I'm explaining to you why you see people in church today. Tomorrow, they are nowhere to be found again. They don't have deep roots. They have roots, but they are not deep. King James says they have no roots in themselves. So the only roots that are sustaining them are the roots from other trees. Another tree come maybe and, and add its roots there. And other one add its roots. I'm talking about this sister that always calls you. I'm talking about this brother that always carries you to church. I'm talking about these people that always come to encourage you. you are, your Christianity is dependent on your roots. And the moment something comes to face you personally, it finds that you are not strong. There's nothing in you. You cannot stand. You've never developed your own roots. 
You don't have a personal conviction that Jesus, you see, they don't even have a conviction that Jesus indeed is the savior of the world. All it takes is somebody to come and question a few things in them and they are scattered. There's no conviction even about prayer. So the moment they start praying and somebody laughs at them a little bit, they stop praying. I've seen people who are starting to pray in tongues and the moment they pray in tongues, people make fun of them for praying in tongues and that's the last day they prayed in tongues. Why? They don't have roots in themselves. They cannot stand on their own. When things are going bad around them, they go bad with the things. Shallowness. This is the number one reason why many believers backslide. They love Jesus, all right, but they are shallow. They are shallow. They don't have deep roots. They don't have deep roots in the word of God. They don't have deep roots in the things of God. By root, I mean convictions. Are you convicted about the word of God? Are you convicted that there is a place called hell and there's a place called heaven? Are you convicted that going to church is important? Are you convicted about paying your tithe? I've known people, they just pay their tithe once and the moment they got a little rebuke, they pull out. The conviction was too weak. The conviction was too weak. They have no root in themselves about paying their tithes. They have no root in themselves about praying in tongues. They have no root in themselves about going to church. They have no root in themselves about working for God. And they always feel, Pastor Pascal is making us do things. Pastor Pascal is pushing us. They don't have a root in themselves that God has called me to serve him. Whether Pastor Pascal is there or Pastor Pascal is not there, I will still serve God. They don't have a root in themselves. They don't have a root in themselves. They don't have any root in themselves. Their Christianity is seasonal and circumstantial. Take them out of that place, their Christianity is as good as dead. That's why the pandemic and coronavirus have revealed all the shallow Christians. You cannot hide anymore. All those things you were hiding, now we came, you cannot be in church. The real you started revealing itself. It is time to start digging deep with your roots, my brother. It is time to start having root in yourself. Ask your neighbor, do you have roots in yourself? Do you have roots in yourself? I'm not talking about the roots that Pastor Pascal is giving you or the root that brother so-and-so or shepherd so-and-so is coming to help you with. Do you have a root in yourself? What I mean to say is that if they throw you now in an Islamic country, will you still stand for Jesus Christ? What I mean to say is that if they take you out of Mokwase, out of Johanna, out of Lidak, and they send you in Cape Town, and they send you in Pretoria, will you still be a believer? Do you have roots in yourself? Or that will be the end of your Christianity. That will be the end of your Christianity. Your Christianity was a locational Christianity. No root in themselves. First challenge, they are out. First win, they are out. Hmm? You shall be standing in the name of Jesus. You shall be standing in the name of Jesus. This is the key to developing roots in yourself. Matthew 7, 24 to 25. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice 
It's like a wise man who built his house on the rock. Remember, it is the same rock where this guy heard the word, the word, the road, the, the word fell on rocks. It grew fast, but it had no roots. Now, I'm, in, I'm beginning to understand why it didn't have roots. They heard the word all right, but they didn't put the word into practice. The roots are built as you put the word of God into practice. You don't just hear it, you practice it. Roots are developed when you become a doer of the word, not just a hearer of the word. He said he hears the word and puts it into practice. Then he says, then the rain came down and the stream rose and the winds blew and beat against that house, yet it did not fall. Why? Because it had its foundation on the rock. What's the key? Putting the word of God into practice. When you hear when you hear any instruction that pastor gives, you don't just hear it and get excited. That's the easy part. The hard part is to apply it. But it's only when you start applying the word that you start developing roots in yourself. If the word says don't do this, it will be hard to not do it. But you see, when you start practicing doing what the word of God says, you start having a personal conviction. Because you start knowing what the word, why the word says you shouldn't do it. When I say to you, don't sleep around, and somebody asks, oh, why are you not having sex with me? You say, ah, my pastor said I shouldn't sleep around. You see, you don't have a conviction. You don't have a conviction. If he can speak now, you will sleep with him just now. But when you start practicing the word by yourself, and you discover by not doing this, ah, now this is happening, this is happening, this is happening. I'm beginning to see why God says I shouldn't do this. Wow, I didn't know. But as I started practicing, I started discovering things by myself. When somebody says to you, why don't you sleep around? You say, well, I don't sleep around because I love Jesus. I believe my body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. I believe anybody that is going to get this body must deserve it. And I keep my body for Jesus. So you start having a personal conviction yourself about the things that the Bible is talking about. All these people, every time they ask, why, Pastor Pascal? Why, Pastor Pumi? You don't have a conviction. You don't have a conviction yet. I pray that you'll go deeper than that. You'll go deeper than Pastor Pascal and Pastor Pumi. And you will say, it is written. The word of God says, and I believe the word of God. Number two, emptiness. The second reason why good Christians backslide. Number one, they are shallow. Number two, they are empty. They are empty. Emptiness. Matthew 15, 43 to 45. When an unclean spirit goes out of a man, it goes through dry places seeking rest and finds none. Then it says, I will return to my house from which I came. And when it comes, it finds the house empty, swept, put in order. Then it, he goes and takes with him seven other spirits more wicked than himself. 
And they enter and dwell there. And the last state of that man is worse than the first. Say with me backsliding. That's it right there. But how did this happen? Well, it's very simple. You came to church. You were under the ministry. And the ministration of the word cast our devils out of you. And you were not clean. And things were in order in your mind. And you started understanding the things of God better. And you started to make good decisions about your life. But there's a problem. You are empty inside. The place that those demons were occupying. What is occupying that place now? Let me tell you something about nature. Nature hates emptiness. If you look at your house, wherever you fail to put something, nature puts something there for you. You get a piece of land, you fail to, to clear it, nature will put weed there for you. Because nature hates emptiness. And what is true in the natural is true in the spirit. In the spirit also, the spiritual nature hates emptiness. So whenever there is emptiness somewhere, if you don't fill it with something, the spirits will come and fill it for you. And that is what happened here. The place was nice, the place was clean, but it was empty. It was empty. And anything that is empty must be filled. That's the law of the spirit. That's the law of nature. They prayed for you, the demons left you, everything left you, but you did not replace those demons with other spirits. So the place is empty. And because that place is empty, the Bible says that demon will go and will want to come back. For you to think just because you were set free years ago, it means you are still free. You, you don't understand yourself. Because my Bible tells me that these spirits can come back. They can come back for their space. And they are calling you their house. They say, my house, my house. In my house. Until you get a new owner of that house, it is still his house. It is still his house. That's why the Bible says that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. If you don't enthrone the Holy Ghost in that temple, in that house, you will have other visitors coming back and the Bible says he will bring seven more wicked than himself. And that is how the backsliding started taking place. The person was good, all right, but the person did not fill the place. Luke 4 verse 1, then Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit. You see, Jesus never left any space for anybody. That's why Satan could not find a place in him. Jesus was full, full of the Holy Ghost, 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 full of the Holy Ghost. What are you full of? Ask your neighbor, what are you full of? Full of complaints. Full of accusations. Full of evil thoughts. What are you full of? Ask your neighbor, what are you full of? What, what is full in you? Full of bad desires. Jesus, full of the Holy Ghost. May you be filled with the Holy Spirit. Full of the Holy Ghost. Acts chapter 6 verse 8. Stephen, full of faith and power. Full of faith and power. Full of faith and power. These are the things you should be full of. Full of the word. Yeah, full of faith. Full of power. Full of the Holy Spirit. Full of love. Full of peace. 
Replace those things with the good things of the spirit. Replace it. Don't leave empty space in your heart. God has delivered you from pornography. Replace the pornography with the word. You don't replace it. I'm telling you, by the time the pornography comes back, it will be in a pornography with perversion. You will see yourself watching things you never thought you can watch. Because it is not just the pornography that has come back. It has come back with some serious help. This is why people that seem to be doing good, all of a the sudden, bam, they disappear. Eh? She was in the prison worship team. And everything looked like she's going very well. Out of nowhere, out of nowhere, she disappears. She did not fill those empty voids with the power of God, with the things of God. Oh, may you be filled with the things of God. You see, that's why we encourage you to listen to the word. What do you listen to? Are you full of the word? Because the faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. If you are not listening to the word of God constantly, you are full of fear. Not faith, fear. Number three, sinfulness. Number one, shallowness. Number two, emptiness. Number three, sinfulness. When you see a good Christian backslide, chances are they were already living in sin, but they were hiding it from you. I want to talk to you. Listen to me. Sinfulness. Jesus, I mean Paul told us, the wages of sin is death. David praying in Psalm 90 verse 8, he says, you have set our iniquities before you, our secret sins in the light of your presence. Secret sins. Not just sins. Secret sins. That's the difference. These are sins we commit and nobody knows about them. Listen to me. That thing one day, one day, it will pull you out completely. You might be thinking you are fooling people right now because nobody knows about it. And usually you can fool people for a while, but not forever. Because sin comes to destroy. So ultimately, it will destroy. Ultimately, it will destroy. Secret sins. Secret sins. This is the third thing that causes good Christians to backslide. Because they have secret sins. They have sins nobody knows about. They don't tell their leader about these things. They don't share their struggles with anybody. And this thing is just busy taking ground. It's busy gaining ground. Jesus says, you are a, master, you are a slave to whoever you obey. As you obey this person, as you obey this spirit, this spirit is taking ground. He's gaining ground. And a day is going to come, he's going to say to you, okay, let's go. And you will not have the capacity to say no, you will just follow. 
Proverbs 28, verse 13. People who conceal their sins will not prosper. They will not do well. People who conceal their sins. Concealing means you hide. You hide these things. You hide them. To conceal is the same way for occult. You know occultism? Occult means hidden. 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 You're hiding things. Eh? You conceal things. You hide them. Secret sins. Whoever conceals, people who conceal their sins will not prosper in their Christian walk. They will not prosper in their faith. They will not do well. That is basically what he's trying to say. They will not do well. It will catch up with them. But if they confess and turn from them, they will receive mercy. Hallelujah. And that is where I want to encourage you to go for this morning. Go to confession and to the reception of mercy. Listen to me, none of us is a saint. So when you are hiding things, it's like you are saying, no, I think I'm surrounded with saints and I shouldn't expose myself. You are misled. Everybody is a sinner. The Bible says all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. When Satan is making you hide things, it's to destroy you. It's not because we are better. Nobody is better. Bring your own. Let's all discuss it. The Bible says, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. That you may be healed. It means when you are not confessing it, you remain sick. And one day, you just, you are out. And usually, you know, I've been a pastor for a while. Let me tell you something. I've noticed something. Once a person pull out, you just observe their life a little bit. You will see what was going on anyway. It's usually there. All of a sudden, they are smoking. You, and and you, didn't, you, you didn't, no, they were smoking all along. They were just hiding it from you. All of a sudden, there's a, there's a pregnancy. No, it was already there. They were just hiding it from you. Things were already going on. Secret sins. It ended up pulling you out. Confess it. Take yourself before God. Lord, you know what? I don't want to lose my salvation because of this thing. Help me, Jesus. Help me, Jesus. Talk to your leader. Don't keep things to yourself. Look, you cannot change the word of God. The Bible says, people who conceal their sins will not prosper. Or if you like, continue concealing things. You will just become a casualty of scriptures. Number four. Deceptiveness. What is number one? Shallowness. Number two, emptiness. Number three, sinfulness. Number four, deceptiveness. Lies. Lies. Lying. If, if I, in fact, I was supposed to start with this one. It's just that I decided to put it forth. But in my personal experience, lying is the number one reason why people don't do well as Christians. Lying. Now, lying is the sin that is the master sin. It goes with every other sin. It's like lying has to be there in every other sin you are doing. Do you understand? Lying is, you see, there are keys and there's a master key. So Satan is called the father, not the father of stealing, the father of lies. 
Because lying is the master key, is the master sin for every other sin. Any other sin, you might not need fornication, but you will need lying in it. So wherever there is lying, Satan is not far. He is the father of lies. He is the father of lies. Ephesians chapter 6 verse 14. Stand firm then with the belt of truth. The belt of truth. That is what you stand firm with. The moment the belt of truth is loosened, you go down. Stand firm. With what? The belt of truth. Acts 5.3 Then Peter said, Ananias, why, has, why have you let Satan fill your heart? You have lied to the Holy Spirit. The first Christian in the, first, in, in the, in the early church the first Christian to be destroyed by lying was Ananias and Sapphira, his wife. The thing that killed them was lies. And Peter was saying that Satan has filled your heart. He's present where there are lies. Oh, my sister, how are you doing? Oh, no, God is good. Everything is okay. Ah, no, God is faithful. The person telling that God is faithful is into serious trouble. But they are not telling you the truth. They are not open about it. They are struggling, but they are not exposing it. Lies. Why have you let Satan fill your heart? That you've lied to the Holy Spirit. That you've lied to your pastor. Many of you lie to me every day. You, are, you know yourself. You lie to me to my face. You lie to me with your, your, your messages. Satan has so filled your heart. That you lie. You lie to your pastor. You see, Sapphira here, Ananias was lying to Peter. Peter was his pastor. Peter asked him, is it the money that you, you sold the land? He said, yeah, yeah, that's the money, that's the money. He was lying to Peter. But he didn't know that it was not Peter asking him the question. At that particular time, it was the Holy Ghost speaking through Peter. So when he lied, he didn't lie to Peter. He lied to God, to God the Holy Ghost. And he died right there and there. His wife also died right there and there. Hmm? Lies. Be careful with lies. Be careful with lies. Yeah. I've heard people lying about their tithes. Lying about all kinds of things. You're sending reports, you lie. You're lying about souls. Lies. Also, lying comes with pretense. Pretending to be something you are not. Pretending. It's a byproduct of lies. Yeah, those who pretend. Always pretending. Always pretending. May God deliver us Amen. from lies. Amen. From lies. Amen. From lying to one another. Amen. 
uh, lying to one another. You find a believer lies to another believer and steals money from that believer. They take money from one another by lying to one another. I'm telling you. You find a beloved lying to the other one, I love you, I'm with you. And as she's saying to him, I'm with you, she's with another person. He's saying to her, I love you, but he's saying the same thing to another sister in the church. Lying all over the place. Can I tell you something? That is the presence of the devil himself. And here you are building a relationship that is supposed to lead to marriage. And you are building it with lies. Everything is a lie. Your smiles are lies. Your clothes are lies. Your SMSs are lies. Your WhatsApps are lies. And you are planning to live forever happily. A lie. That's a lie. That's a lie itself. Everything is a lie. Everything is a lie. The tithe is a lie. It's not 10%. It's not even 5%. But I write tight. I write tight. People don't have, they are, no, they are no more afraid of God. I'm telling you. The fear of God has left people. People, people do the word of God on their terms. And then they wonder why the power of God is not there. They wonder why they backslide so easily. They are on their own. God said, look, you are on your own. The way you are going, you are on your own. They will speak in tongues. After speaking in tongues, five minutes, they are lying already. They are lying already. Number five, bitterness. What is number one? Shallowness. Number two, emptiness. Number three, sinful. Number four, deceitfulness. Number five, bitterness. Another reason why a good Christian will leave a good church under a good pastor with a good word is bitterness. Produced by offense. You know, it seems like I keep repeating myself with these things. I'm hoping that along the way, some of you will understand them. Hebrews 12, verse 15, down to 16. Work at living in peace with everyone and work at living a holy life. For those who are not holy will not see the Lord. Look after each other so that none of you fail to receive the grace of God. Watch out that no poisonous root of bitterness grows up to trouble you, corrupting many. Poisonous root of bitterness. Poisonous root of bitterness. The Bible says, watch out, watch out. Don't allow the poisonous root of bitterness. I was talking earlier about Christians who have no roots. But some of them, they have roots. But those roots are roots of bitterness. And those would poison them and then they now corrupt everybody else around them. Watch out. That no poisonous root of bitterness grows up to trouble you and to corrupt many. Yeah. This is when somebody has been so offended and so hurt. And it's like they cannot be healed. 
When you have a wound that cannot heal, do you understand? It's a serious problem. Wounds normally must heal. If you get a cut, you put some, some things in it, it should heal. But you've been having a wound for the past 15 years. And the wound is not healing. All kinds of messages. The Bible says the word of God is like good medicine. The word of God has come so many times with good medicine. But this wound doesn't want to heal. A man of God, a woman of God cannot carry boils. Boils are wounds that don't heal. They don't heal. How will you speak life to people if you carry wounds that don't heal? You will only hurt them with your words. I'm sure you've heard the saying, hurting people will hurt people. It's like that. And you see, you will not just hurt your enemies, you will also hurt your friends. You will hurt your family. You will hurt your children because you are hurt. Because you are hurt, you're going to end up hurting your children. Hurting people you care about. You are thinking that it is the pastor you will hurt. No, no, no. It will leave the church. It will enter your family. It will destroy everybody. It, say, it corrupts many. 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 So what is the key? Ephesians 4, 31 to 32. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words, and slander. Slender means gossip. Get rid of those things. Tell your neighbor, get rid of these things. Get rid of these things. Get rid of these things from your life. As well as all types of evil behavior. Instead, be kind to each other. Tender-hearted. Forgiving one another. Forgiving one another. Just as God through Christ has forgiven you. Are you realizing that you were a worst case? And God forgave you by sending Jesus to die on the cross for you. Now how come when it is your turn to forgive another person, the person must come and die? God forgave you, but you cannot forgive me. Pastor Pascal will pay till he dies. God forgave you, but you cannot forgive the person next to you. You cannot forgive your mother. You cannot forgive your shepherd. You cannot forgive your sister. But God forgave you. What did you do for him to forgive you? There's nothing good you could have done. He forgave you because he wanted to forgive you. He says, forgiving one another just as God forgave you. God forgave us. And the same way God has forgiven you, you too must forgive others. It is called one another. One another. I see you forgiving people. I see you releasing them from your heart. I see wounds beginning to heal from your spirit. These things are not going to continue. You are not going to continue carrying these wounds everywhere you go. You, you, are, you see, people with wounds cannot walk freely. There are wounds in the legs. They cannot sit comfortably. There are wounds in the bum. Everywhere, everything. So how do you know somebody is full of wounds? They are too sensitive. Ask your neighbor, are you too sensitive? Too sensitive. You touch here, they shake. You touch here, they shake. Everything, every word. You must use a dictionary when you are talking to them. You must check words carefully before you speak. You are too sensitive. In fact, you are too hurt. You are too hurt. 
And may God give you grace this morning. Let those wounds be healed. Let those wounds be healed. Don't enter 2022 carrying these wounds in your spirit. Refuse to be an offended Christian. You are offended at God. Some of you are even angry at God. You are offended at God. You are offended at Jesus. You are offended at Pastor Pascal. You hate the church. You hate them. Look at your heart. Look at what is going on with you. How far will you go like this? Hating everybody. The God who holds you in his hands. You are hating him. How far will you go? How far will you go? You cannot go far hating God. Number six. Foolishness. Foolishness. Here now we're talking about your decisions. Yeah. Foolishness. Proverbs 28 verse 26. Those who trust in themselves are fools. Those who trust in themselves are fools. But those who walk in wisdom are kept safe. Foolishness. You trust your own decisions more than the word of God. You trust your own reasoning more than the word of God. Foolishness has taken many good Christians from the church. Despite the many warnings, they will not listen. Because they think they know better. The commonness of them all is 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 14. Do not be unequally yoked with unbelievers. Do not. They very, when God says do not be, they say, no, I will. Uh, this, this thing you are saying, I will. That's the one I'm going to do. Foolishness. Oh, no, you know, Paul didn't know what we know today. You know, Paul was, you know, he was a lonely man. I mean, no wife, nothing. Why will he not write what he wrote? Do not be unequally yoked. I mean, Paul, who was he yoked to in the case? I mean, he was just there by himself, a lonely man, depressed. That's why he writes things like this. Foolishness. Foolishness. And that becomes the reason why you are dragged out of the will of God for your life. Yeah. Those who trust in themselves fools. 1 Corinthians 15.33 Do not be deceived. Evil company corrupts good habits. Ah! Me, I have friends, you know, we don't do anything bad. So, I don't see, I don't see why, I don't see why pastor talks about, I know there's nothing evil we do. I mean, we are, we are, I remember a guy, I told him, look, stop moving around with this guy. He's dangerous for you. He said, ah, no, pastor, it's because you don't know him. Today, both are out. Both. Foolishness. Foolishness. You are trusting in your own reasoning. Instead of trusting what God says you should do. You think you are smarter. You think you know better. When God says stop this, you think you know better. And that becomes your downfall. Seven. Seductiveness. Seductiveness. Last. Last, 
is perverted and controlled and managed attraction towards a thing or a person is perverted and controllable and manageable attraction towards someone or something. It's like a fire you cannot stop. Have you seen these fires, these bushfires? The fire people come, they try. The fire say, ah, go try again. I'm here. I'm here. By the time that fire is done, it has destroyed, relocated thousands of people, destroyed houses. That is how last is. Uncontrollable. And it's also unsatisfiable. You never get enough of it. Because it's not there to satisfy you. It's there to keep you going till it eliminates you. That's all. Last. 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 Last has stolen from the church wonderful people. Good Christians. That were doing wonderful things in the house of God. Last entered their hearts. And before long, they were nowhere to be found. They were nowhere to be found. First John 2.15 Do not love the world. All the things in the world. The things in the world. The things in the world. Do not love the world. All the things in the world. And you see, again, foolishness, we said, you know, no, no, no. You know, uh, John didn't know much, so please. Do not love the world. All the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. So what is in him? Last. It's last. The church today, I'm trusting God that ABC will not be full of this, but the church today is full of lust. Lust. Sisters love the world, they want to dress like the world, and they bring that spirit in the church, and they start producing the same effect it produces outside in the church. Unhealthy attraction, sensual and sexual. Brothers want to be like the world, so they bring that spirit in. It's a chaos. And the instruction do not love the world. I know it looks attractive. I know it looks like cool. That's exactly what Eve felt when she looked at the fruit. She said it, was, it looks very nice. It looks nice. It looks like it was having something good in it. But there was death behind it. There was death behind it. Do not love the world. My last scripture, 2 Timothy 4, 9 to 10. Timothy, please come as soon as you can. Hallelujah. Why? Demas has deserted me. Because he loves the things of this life. Demas. Demas has left the church. 
Demas has left the ministry. Demas is no more helping me. Demas is no more around me. Paul is saying to Timothy, please come as soon as you can. I'm in trouble here. I am left alone. Why? Demas has deserted me. Why? Demas loves this world. How many Demases are filled in our churches today? They will leave you just now. They'll desert you. Not for anything. The love of this world. Having loved the, the things of this life. Not the life to come. Oh, this life. This is why Demas left the man of God, Paul. And I hope wherever Demas is today, he can hear this that look, you had such an opportunity. And you lost it for the things of this life. For the things of this life. You had such an opportunity to make a difference, to have your name in the Bible. As you see, you, there are people in the Bible, their names are not, they are not a blessing. Like when you read, that's what, have you ever seen somebody called Demas? I don't know. Demas has deserted me. Because he loved the things of this life. The things of this life will make you desert God. The things of this life will make you desert a good place where God is trying to build you up. The things of this life will make you desert a good ministry where pastor is helping you, a church where God is building you up. The things of this life, if you continue loving them the way you are loving them, they're going to attract you and pull you. And just like Demas, you will pull out. Demas is like the prodigal son. He's in the house with the father. Everything is cool, but he feels things are better over there. That has been Satan's greatest deception. You are missing out on something. Something is better for you there. So he left, and the Bible says he went to a far country. I don't want to talk to you. I don't want any one of you to see me. I'm going to live my life, and I'm going, and I'm going to enjoy. Turned into a calamity of high proportion. He was an RCU case. By the time he returned, even the pig food he couldn't eat. Yeah. Demas has deserted me. I don't know who else will be added to that list. Sekofaso has deserted me. Tapelo has deserted me. Umpile has deserted me. Joseph has deserted me. You know, is your name going to be added to the list of the deserters? Those who desert. They are not sent. They desert. The Holy Ghost sent people. These ones are not sent. They ran away. They left. They left. May God give you grace. May God give us grace. Would you please stand on your feet wherever you are right now? And I want you to start praying. You said, this whole month, I want us to pray for mercy. Pray for mercy over your life. I have taught you seven things that can make a good Christian backslide. I'm sure one or two of them is directly directed at you. Please start praying for mercy right now wherever you are. Father, give me mercy. I don't want to backslide. And I don't want to allow shallowness, emptiness, sinfulness, deceptiveness, bitterness, foolishness, seductiveness 
to have an impact on my life and cause me to miss the plan of God for my existence. Oh, please pray from the depths of your heart. Jesus, have mercy on me. Cause me to be established and to be planted in your house. Firmly. All the days of my life. Makola Machela Malaga. Thank you, Jesus. May I never be a Demas, a deserter of great anointings, a deserter of great anointings. May I not be a, D- a Demas. May I be a John, a John who stood till the end, a John who was there till the last minute. John, not Demas, John, the anointing of John. Thank you, Jesus. You are being revived this morning as the word has come. It has come to restore. It has come to help. It has come to heal you. It has come to set you free from these lies of the devil. From these lies of the devil. Your first love is being restored. Your passion for Jesus is being renewed. Your healing is coming. You are set free from bitterness, from foolishness, from shallowness, from sinfulness. Oh! In Jesus' precious name, we have given thanks. Thank you, Jesus. If you are listening to me this morning and you are not born again, you are really empty. And I want you to know something. Jesus wants to fill your heart. He says, I stand at the door of your heart and I'm knocking. anyone will hear and open the door. I'll come in. Jesus wants to come in. He wants to enter there. Please, if that is you this morning, you are not born again. You are not sure of your fate if you were to die now. You are not sure where you will end. I I need to pray with you. And I need to pray for you. Right now, you are saying, Pastor, I feel my heart is empty of Jesus. And I want Jesus in my heart. Let me pray with you. At the count of three, I want you to raise your right hand to the heavens. And I'll pray with you. One, two, three. Raise your right hand. God bless you. Thank you so much. God bless you. You can take your hands down. Secondly, I want you to pray for a group that is saying, Pastor, now the first love is gone. I am shallow. <laughs> I'm empty. There's so much. All these things you are talking about this morning, Pastor, I don't want to deceive myself. Deceitfulness cannot steal from me this morning. I can clearly see the signs are there. When I examine myself, no, no, I need help. Let me not pretend this morning. You are saying, Pastor, I want to come back to my first love. There is a grace for first love this morning to come back, to come back to what Satan has stolen from you. But it, that is if, if you are really willing to do it from your heart, not pretending, not trying to hide again and playing double games, 
but openly and say, Jesus, I don't want to miss my salvation just because I was trying to please people. Right now, I want you to commit my life to Jesus. I'm going to count up to three. The same pastor, pray with me. I want you to commit my life to Jesus. Please don't be ashamed. Raise your right hand because that's the grace you are capturing. One, two, three. Raise your right hand. God bless you. God bless you. Yes. I want you to connect to Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Right where you are, please let us pray together. Repeat this simple word. Say, Dear Lord Jesus, I surrender my life to you today. Forgive me my sins. Wash me with your blood. I believe you died for me. On the third day you rose again. That I might be justified. Right now, I believe my sins are forgiven. I'm justified by your blood. I'm saved. I'm restored. I'm born again. I'm a child of God. I am free from the power of sin to serve the living God. Thank you, Jesus, for receiving me. Thank you, Jesus, for restoring me. Thank you, Jesus, for saving me. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening. May God bless you. Please drop us a comment in the comment section to tell us how this message has helped you. Remember also to subscribe to receive notifications on our latest sermons. You can also watch Pastor Pascal live every Sunday morning from 10 a.m. on our church Facebook page, Alive Bible Church HQ. Or you can worship with us live in one of our branches in Sun City, Macharora, Padima, Mukwase, Lidach, Rustenburg, and beyond. Have a blessed day. And remember, we are alive to give life.